Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another episode of the 33 Fuel podcast. My name is Warren. I'm one of the co-founders here at 33 Fuel, and it gives me great pleasure, joy, delight, and excitement to welcome you to this show with Martin Yelling. Martin is a man who is steeped in all things running. He started off running as a kid, became an international level runner, and then decided he would switch things up, move to duathlon, where he competed as an elite athlete, before then deciding that maybe two sports was good, but would three be better? Well, he went into triathlon, moved along to Ironman, taking that all the way to competing in the World Championships at Kona in Hawaii. But the common thread through all of this has been his running. And since he retired from active competition as a professional athlete back in 2007, and bear in mind, let's just take retirement with a pinch of salt. This is a man who can still occasionally, if not comfortably, knock out sub three marathons the way the rest of us may chase a sub four. Um, Martin has still put his heart and soul into all things running. Among other things, he's the London Marathon's go-to coach when they need a coach for as many people as possible. He's also a seasoned coach dealing with people on a more individual basis through his own coaching company, Yelling Performance. As well as that, he is the host and co-founder of the Marathon Talk podcast, which may just be the longest running running podcast in existence. Started a decade ago, he and his co-host Tom began podcasting about running a long time before it was cool. Marathon Talk is now 500 plus episodes young and still going great guns, as is Martin himself. And what we really talked about in this episode is how do you find that fire for running? How do you keep that fire alive uh, year after year, decade after decade? How do you make running something that becomes a part of your life, a healthy companion for your performance, your well-being, your achievement, something that adds to your life, doesn't detract from it? How do you ride that roller coaster and balance it? That's really what we're going to be digging into in this conversation. And Martin has so much golden knowledge to drop on this. Uh, there's a lot of very good stuff coming up, which is great because that is exactly our mission here at 33 Fuel, is giving athletes the best possible tools to raise their performance, to raise their abilities, to live their best life, and to get the most out of their sport, whatever it may be. And we do that through sharing great conversations like this one with Martin on our podcast, our vlog, through other content on our social media channels. And we also do it with the greatest, the finest, the most delicious, the most spectacular all-natural sports nutrition, which you can find in our store at 33fuel.com. So, with all of that clear, let's get on to this conversation with Martin Yelling. Martin Yelling, thank you so much for coming to join us on the podcast. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. Well, it's, it's a great pleasure to have you here. And I know when we spoke the other day, Running wasn't entirely your favourite thing at the time. There's all sorts of clouds swirling around in the world of elite running. It's a bit murky in places. It's not the, something we necessarily want to see. Who knows what's going to come out of it? But if we follow that path, we're going to end up in a very murky place. And actually... <laughs> Sounds like Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's that as well. I'm, I'm basically ignoring all of these things because when you come back to it, Brexit may not be all right, but running really is all right, I think. So I thought we'd look at the good things in running because I right. think that's something okay. you know a lot about. And I thought we'd start it really simply and personally because let's face it, running is the simplest, best, easiest thing we can pretty much do for ourselves ever. 
um, which also conveniently ties into your charity Stormbreak, which we'll be yep. having a little chat about later as well. Mm-hmm. But running has been something that you've built your whole life around. And I wondered sort of how, how did it come about? Was running always something that was going to be there for you and you then followed that as a career? Or was it you were looking for something to do and realized you like running and, and put them together that way? Uh, not really. I, I think a couple of things is running is one thing. You said running is something which is, you said running is the thing which is really simple and really easy and I agree with you it is it's not the only thing it just so happens that it kind of resonates with me and has formed one strong strand of what's become kind of to represent who I am as an almost grown-up so like there's you know different kind of strands of I, I think what makes me a person what makes me human and running as always been one of those and so to answer your question about how that started I think that probably started because I could do it Um, and when I say I could do it that meant I've seemed for some reason to find it easier than other people when I was a child so I could run and I also loved to do it for reasons that I know as a grown-up now were because it gave me some control you know, um, I could um, do it on my own. I could get away from things. I enjoyed being outside. Actually, still things that I enjoy, you know, as a nearly 48-year-old. Um, but when I was a seven-year-old, I didn't know those things. So I guess what's happened is I've spent 40 years nurturing those things. Well, you, you've not done a bad job of it along the way. I mean, let, let's face it, the uh, the international and the elite running days were pretty decent to say the least you also put in well I I can't take much credit actually like really because it's it's tough so one of my one of my qualities Warren which isn't always a good one is that I'm a slight kind of ambitious aspirational perfectionist with a few obsessive tendencies like you roll all of those things into one and it's both an encouraging and affirming way to live, but it's also a slightly problematic, destructive way to live. So I can't take much credit for any of the athletic stuff because I could do it. I chose my parents carefully. It didn't come that difficult to me to do it. I was an international runner, but of a relatively, what I call kind of sub-elite standard. Um... I finished in the top 10 in the national cross country championships, gained some minor international running vests, did some duathlon stuff and some multi-sport at international level for the GB elite team in what seems like, you know, an entire lifetime or several ago. I went to something like seven world and European championships, but mostly I guess my exposure to international running came through carrying my wife's bags um and supporting Liz um she went to a couple of olympics and and you know won a commonwealth games medal in the marathon so i think a lot of my exposure to that stuff came through and 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 with Liz rather than off my own kind of back but then i think you put it very nicely the the obsessive tendencies and the perfectionist tendencies being both a good and bad thing 
Um, but without wanting to give us too much risk of heading into the dark side of all the bad things about running, um, if you have those tendencies, does that mean you have not been fully able to enjoy what you've necessarily achieved in the past because actually what you always wanted was the next step up, therefore it was never quite enough? Whereas, Well, I th yeah, I think that's something with runners. Yeah, well, that's an interesting observation and one that, you know, it's this sort of thing that when you step off the track having done a run session or you run a 10K and you've run a PB and you've been training for some time for that, result and someone says to you how did you go and I remember days this is not now but I remember days when running what for me then was a quicker time being disappointed you know being disappointed because I think oh well I could have done that so I would finish a track session in training that well, I'll just do one more or I could have just done that or if only I'd gone that few seconds faster so there is an element when you're in the moment touching it so closely and when it's a really in, you know, a significant part of your life from a performance outcome point of view that you take the, what, what are, you know, brilliant performances in hindsight for granted and you don't appreciate them as much as you should, which is why now, you know, in my own coaching um you know, I'm still I very much encourage people to stop and pause and reflect on where they find themselves, the hard work that it's taken to get them there. Um, and, you know, the kind of sheer joy and accomplishment and pleasure that they can get out of that situation, even if it doesn't produce the outcome, which was the desired one from the start for them. Well, because there's certainly a case that you can't always control the outcome, to be fair. Uh, running is often a little more binary perhaps than let's say oh I don't know Brexit um, <laughs> but you know, you know with running if you do the work and if you follow the plan you, you have a good chance of achieving certain goals depending on how lofty they may be um, and that process is really where the satisfaction is often most readily found but is often most readily ignored um, and I understand with your uh, former elite focus, it was very hard to get the enjoyment from what was being achieved. You took it for granted if it was good, um, but if it wasn't up to your stellar standard, it maybe you gave yourself a hard time, it wasn't good enough. How have you managed that with time? Because I get the impression you're probably a lot easier and better with yourself now than you possibly were as a competitive athlete. Uh, yeah, I think you get better with experience at, um, managing those outcomes a little bit. So for me, I'm never like, I'm with what time teaches me is I'm never going to be faster than I was. So where I use time as a key performance indicator or where I used time as a key kind of outcome and performance indicator, I can no longer use time. Because if that's the measure, I'm never going to get any better. So if the only measure I use is how fast I run, how fast I run, then I'm never going to get quicker. I'm never going to get better. So if I continue to be driven by time, then I'd be continually disappointed. So what I think I am good at doing is that's why I still run after 40 years of, of being a runner is I'm I'm able to 
facilitate satis- in, you know, great, rich internal satisfaction from the experience of running. And so when I was in my 20s, that might have been to run fast. When I'm in my 40s, that's because I actually want to, you know, be outside and be in nature or running along the beach or running to a destination to see something or experiencing the run or de-stressing from the day or, but it's not about, can I run faster? That said, there are still times when I think, oh, I'm just going to go and enjoy a proper smash up session, but I'm not motivated by the pace that I run at, the distance that I covered relative to the runner that I was 15 years ago, I might be motivated relative to the runner that I was last week or the week before. So it's quite a segmented look at, um, you know, how you frame running for your own benefit. Yeah. And I think it's that that's meant I've stayed engaged as a, as a runner for so many years. Now, that leads rather nicely into a thought I had while you were saying that 40 years running. Um, you know, I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate 40 years. That, that's almost as old as that jumper you're wearing, isn't it? Uh, yeah, this one is, is straight out of the 1960s, because it? But you know, it's a bit chilly <laughs> in here. It's For any, anyone who's on the podcast, this is a nice turtleneck I'm sporting here, which is quite toasty this afternoon, I've got to say. It's black, it's suave, it's sophisticated. And we're both old enough to remember the milk tray ads, which I have to say deep down is probably <laughs> why I bought it. Is that your aspiration? <laughs> I'm expecting you to scale that wall behind you and deliver a packet of chocolates. <laughs> Any minute, I might come swinging through the window on a rope. <laughs> but I might not leave you the rose, that would be a bit weird. <laughs> uh, go on, you'd be right. <laughs> no, go on, what were you going to say? 40 years running, right? Um, a lot yep. of people um, understand, yeah, if you've been in the sport professionally, competitively from a young age, then you, you can put those kinds of years in if, if running gives you the fire and, and you, know, you, you get what you want from it. But for a lot of amateur runners, you know, maybe they ran a bit as kids um, and then you come back to it after a break. And so, you know, a five-year run streak, can we say, a 10-year run streak would be quite a lot. Um, 40 years, what are the things that you would say are the keys to managing longevity and running, both, I think, emotionally uh, and physically? You know, because the, the body changes, the body the body will manage it, but also sometimes yeah. the mind will manage it better and, and other times not. So you must have been through so many cycles within that 40 years. And I say run streak, I don't mean like a Ron Hill run every day Yeah, no, years, I definitely haven't run every day. No, but I think that's but possibly a bit, a bit extreme for many as well. But you've continually been doing it that long. That's, that's yeah, a run running's been a thread. Yeah, running's definitely been a thread of, of, of my existence. Yeah. for 40 years yeah. so there's not been a, been many months that have gone past in those 40 years when I haven't run obviously it's different when you you know between 7 and 17 you know up until I was I guess probably 15 7 to 15 running was very unstructured you know and I did it through play and I was with my friends and I didn't really think of myself as a runner yeah, so there was nothing in my life between 7 and 15 that meant I was a runner. My wife, for example, went to the running club at age nine because her mum went to the running club and so she ran. But I didn't really do that. 
Um, I would run at school. I would represent, you know, my school in the cross countries and, you know, the, uh, on the track. And I'd do that kind of, I ran, but it wasn't something I did. And then when I got to a 14 or 15, I, I started with my Yeovil Olympiads running club in Somerset where I grew up. And then it became a bit more structured. And probably from 15 or 16, I started thinking, I really enjoy doing this. You know, and I, I spent 20 years trying to run faster. Then I snapped an Achilles tendon and started bike riding and, you know, swim or trying to swim and ended up doing Ironman triathlon and duathlon, all that stuff. So running was still important, but the focus was still very much on time. So you can almost work in decades, spreading across the four decades of, you know, seven to 17, I was enjoying but in a different way it was play and fun and very little competition that I would do at school and then 17 to 27 I was you know, probably quite a serious runner trying to just run faster and then 27 to 37 I was about multi-sport and and the focus was slightly different and then 37 to 47 I'd finished kind of a triathlon career and running was about enjoyment and transitioning from serious sport to recreational sport and recreational running and more coaching and more helping other people improve their running and learning about you know what makes other people tick and then here we are 48 there you go simple so all you've got to do is just consistently reinvent yourself every 10 years and there we go bingo even though one snap to Achilles in the middle we have a seamless 40 year yeah I'm not career. sure about re like yeah, not so. What you've got to do is you were right in your opener that running is an incredibly simple thing, and it is. You get confused and it gets complicated when people expect things from it that it can't give. Interesting so point. Where you can, where you can frame the fundamentals of what you want to get from your running so that you get it back, it's always going to give to you. So it's always going to give. It's always going to give. So if what you want is to frame your running because it enables you to, you know, do nothing more than enjoy some time outside socially with your friends or on your own, then you can get that from it. You know, it's it's. so what I've been able to do is, I think, although I've never really thought about it like this, to position those blocks of what makes up running and a runner within what I want to get from running so that I'm constantly satisfied. My kind of appetite from running is constantly roughly satisfied from my engagement with it. If at 47 I was saying I want to run faster than I did at 27, that's unlikely. So I would be doubtful whether I would be able to satisfy my running appetite, whereas I can do a ton of other things with it. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So when you say you know, where running can fall down is when people expect something from it it can't give. And uh, if I'm going from what, what you said, I'm guessing one of the examples would be if your need from running was to be faster than you were at 27, then that's uh, going to be a tall order given the level you went to at 27. So are there any other areas you think where people can trip themselves up with asking for something from running that it, it can't deliver? Not when, no, not when you get it right. Like, not when you get the ask right. The problem is when you get the ask wrong. So running's never going to solve, you know, all 
um, all of my issues, for example, if, you know, I think to myself, actually, and I'm not this person, but if I was and, and I was in particularly unhappy in my life and I was looking to running for everything. So I see lots of people for whom this is an issue, you know, particularly those who perhaps are um, like recovering um, from addiction or living with addictive behavior and they supplement running for that. So they look to running to give them everything that um, other 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 um, things did for them in a, in, a, in a previous life, for example. So they supplement it with running. So the ask is, I want everything that I had, uh, but I want it from running. And then they break their leg or they, you know, they get injured or something happens where they cannot run. And of course, the world tends to cave back in again. And that's when, you know, running can't give them what they're looking for from it. Yeah. Yeah, so if, if you're using... It sounds it, a bit all wafty in philosophy, doesn't it? Like we're philosophizing a little bit. There's, there's, um, but there's I'm just trying right, to think right? about your question. But I, I think there's um, there's something that running... To, to come back to me, you know, it's the simplest, best thing we could do for us, ourselves. If it's... Um, one, one, of, one of the simplest, best things we can do for ourselves. True. So uh, another, you know, in that sense, another simple and great things we can do for ourselves is um, sit, you know, just sit calmly and sit still. Mm. But I find that much harder than I find going for a run, you know. Um, but but to sit calmly and to sit still and to, you know, let's take learning meditation as a, as a skill. Um, you know, it can be amazingly beneficial to your wellness. It can be amazingly beneficial to your running. Is that some people find it easier than others, but it's really difficult but simple. Running is difficult but simple. If you were to say, right, Warren, what I want you to do is to sit still in your, you know, every day for 15 minutes um, in, in, it doesn't really matter where, where you are now, it looks perfect because it looks really blank. Um, but, you know, sit there, sit still for 15 minutes. What happens in that 15 minutes? It's quite difficult to do. But uh, it's simple. You're, you're right. I have been trying it for several years. And, yes, it never gets easier. But I had to keep reminding myself with the meditation that it's the point of showing up and doing it, even if you feel like mm. you actually just spent 15 minutes sat there thinking. As long as I remembered at mm. some point to stop the thinking and go back to anything as simple as my breath, but get a tangible result. I don't know. It certainly feels like a good thing though. It feels like another little decompress. Is it something you've played around with? Is it something you've indulged yeah, a in? A bit, although meditation? I find running can be quite meditative sometimes, you know? So for me, it's quite a, you know, when you get, you know, that experience when you get your run right, and it might be that the weather's right or the pace is right, or you're pushing right, you're flowing, you're balanced, you know, you're really poised. You feel like you can run for more. You finish and you think, I could carry on, or the workout didn't trouble you. You know, um, you kind of get back feeling better than when you left. And in my eyes, that's what running should do. You know, every run you go for should leave you feeling better than before you went for it in some way or another. 
um, whether if you're training really hard and you only've got a specific workout goal or a race aspiration then doing that run should put you in a better place towards that aspiration than not doing it in the same sense if you're you know wanting to be calmer that day or you want some fresh air that day you want to be with your friends that day then doing that run should contribute put you in a better place than before you went out for it now that raises an interesting point around probably two things but the first one that comes up is when you have a focused race goal and a performance goal um, you may have a focused training program as well which will demand of you certain runs of certain distances times or whatever on certain days in order to execute and I personally have always found those hard Um, and I think it's possibly following a training plan yes yeah to to follow one accurately why do you find it hard I think I rebel against the dogmatic commitment nature I don't know maybe I just rebel against being told what to do but I think also because work is very intense and demands a lot from me then Mm -hmm. if my running starts to feel like it demands a lot from me as well rather than being a release and an enjoyment um, okay. I can find that difficult. Now, I wonder if this is something you've seen with other athletes you coach. Is there an area where people can be forcing themselves through running without the enjoyment? Um, is that necessary? Is it common? Uh, should you just man up and get on and do the work? How do you balance that where I think for me, I find I feel you're on that edge of turning what can be a very positive stress into a negative one? um it's easy to push yeah it's really easy and you see that all the time you know um i I definitely don't think you should woman or man up um to to um push through a running uh, obstacle so you know there's times when actually you've got to be really sensible and listen and there's times where you've got to be reflective and and respond. So so the difference being you're really tired. If you're following a training plan, you're really tired. You don't want to do it. You've had a long day. You've got a big session on the plan. You're just not up for it. There's a difference between it being purely a motivational thing. You're not up for it because you can't be bothered to do it. And you're not, or you're not up for it because you're genuinely too tired and doing it's going to push you over the edge. And so when you think to yourself, actually, this is a step too far, you should back off and not do it, or just do, you know, 20, 30 minute easy run, not do the big session. But when you think, actually, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm just not bothered, I'm not motivated to do it, often going to do it helps you feel better about doing it the caveat being if you're not sure you should not do it because the likelihood is if you're not sure it means the former rather than the latter so it means the former which is you're too tired you know and it's probably going to tip you over Um, whereas if you're sure and you think actually I can't be bothered then you should just give yourself a a a little word and and get out there is this something happens all the time one Okay, is, is there something to be said in those situations for if you're not sure, 
Is this just because I'm being a bit too lazy or is this genuinely because I'm a little on the edge of burning myself out right now and the session's quite a tough one? Is there anything to be said for just, I'll get the shoes on, I'll go 10 minutes. If I still feel against this idea 10 minutes in, then I'll pull the pin as a kind of final acid test if you're not sure yeah, whether you're definitely. on the line. Yeah, or... of course. You know, flexibility, flexibility is two things. A really good training plan will have some flexibility in it anyway. Hmm. So you can adapt it and tweak it a little bit. Um, and flex is really important. So you know when people can't flex, they don't have a great relationship with their running because uh, an, an, an inability to flex on, on your running training plan is a lack of control over it, really. And it shows that the plan and the runs have a control over you. Whereas actually what you want is you need that adaptability and flexibility to go, this isn't right, I'd still like to go for a run, but I'm not going to do this today. Um, and then, so the, the second thing is training plans work better when the person following the plan feels empowered and owns the plan, which is often the problem when you pull a generic plan off the internet, you know, and it's uh, got no relevance for you, it's a bit random, it's just way too generic. Why you lose your motivation in following it? So for you, it feels like, well, you know, it doesn't. It's not really about helping Warren because it isn't. Um, it, it, whereas if you had a, um, if you were following a plan that you were vested in, um, that you had some engagement in writing, um, that fitted with your schedule, so it wouldn't feel a burden, that you felt comfortable in flexing then you're more likely to do it and complete it. And that, that makes sense. That would sound much more like what I would call a plan. Whereas the former is, is like a, you know, uh, feels more dogmatic. And probably that is the mistake I've made in the past. I've never had a custom coach plan. You know, I have it's kind of like, the internet. Yeah. It's a bit like a cursed style of coaching. So some people, when they coach will be very, didactic and they want to be seen as the expert you know the the kind of ego in the relationship and and they will be the one that says you know I'm the figurehead here and I know I have all the knowledge here is my plan that I have written I am you know you must follow this and and um you know they might get twitchy if you don't and then there's another style of coaching which is probably my style which is much more open um, and much more about, um, you know, working with somebody rather than telling them what to do, you know, asking them questions and supporting and guiding and, and shaping their training in, in a way that they feel really engaged with, as opposed to being, you know, a dictator around the training that they might want to do. And, you know, different people respond to different styles of, of, of coaching. Some people like to be right, this is what you're going to do, this is how you need to do it, and this is when you're going to do it. And other people like a little bit more flexibility. For me, what I think is that for people I personally coach with, and it's not that many, but I try and, and navigate that journey a little bit with them. Sometimes I'll say, will you just get on with it? You know, you just need to do this. Um, and sometimes I'll go, well, you know, what do you feel would be right for you today? And we'll look at it slightly differently. So a more, a more flexible approach to it for them and for you. Uh, definitely. Well, from my experience, that's what helps other people. Mm. Yeah. Now, some people are desperately uncomfortable with it, though. So, you know, it's like, yeah, they just get uncomfortable with it. But it works in the long run. Maybe there's something to be said for 
um, when, if you are in the situation of looking for a running coach, I think what you've put out really clearly there is running coaching is not all the same and not every person requires the same sort of coaching, wants the same sort of coaching or, you know, what works for one person may not work for another at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than thinking, I need a running coach, this person is a running coach, therefore it must be right. If it doesn't feel right, I'm being, going through some stuff with um, some accountancy changes recently in the business. That's fascinating. Lovely. But I used to yeah. think 15 years ago, well, an accountant's an accountant, right? It's all black and white. It's all numbers. Well, no, it's got a lot of shades of gray and there's a lot of interpretation and different firms work different ways. So you can't just go, I need an accountant. That's an accountant. Thank you very much. But it feels like run coaches are, are the same thing. You know, and even if someone recommends one to you, you may not know that it's a fit until you've, you've tried a bit. Yeah, it's people, isn't it? You know, my, like I'm a big fan in, in everything I do of, of building relationships and working on those relationships in a very meaningful, authentic um, way, which is loaded with integrity. And if I don't do that, I don't feel like I'm representing who I am very well and very clearly. I'm not articulating that you know, very well. So it's really important to me to have those things. And, and that counts in a coaching relationship as well. Whereas some people don't want those things. They simply want, tell me what to do, you know. Um, whereas I, I kind of am a little bit different in that. And the, the priority for me is the person above the athletic result or outcome. So my interest is in you as a person. And if you you know, happen to be motivated by putting one foot in front of the other a bit faster than you have done before, uh, then, you know, we would look at how doing that can help you, help shape you as a person, support you as a person. Um, we do that through your relationship with running and your relationship with other people. Now, to go away from the technical coaching side and, and the nuts and bolts of all of that, let's, let's get to something really... Uh, well, maybe a bit simpler. Your favourite run of the last 12 months, you can choose one. What have you got for me? What, what comes to mind? Oh, man. It... <clears throat> Could be a race. Over the last 12 months? Uh, yep. Yeah, or, or just since January. How about in, you know, in the year of 2019? So my favourite run this year? Yeah. I, I miss... So I love running on there's three things i love about running running in the mountains running on the coast um preferably both but there are not very many places you can do that um and and running with people you know r running with other people i'm not a big fan anymore of doing competitive races so my highlight runs are usually me um <laughs> on my own somewhere lovely so that might be on the Southwest Coast Path. I'm lucky enough to live near some of the Southwest Coast Path. So I love running, you know, along sections of that. The Cornwall, there's a little section in Cornwall that I love from uh, Padstow to Travone. Kind of a little eight, eight mile or so circuit. That I just love going on when I'm down that way. Um, I also, you know, uh, I went to Kenya to do a run with my neighbour, Tim and a charity called Five Talents and we did a marathon uh, and you know that was a fantastic run because the place was incredible views over the Rift Valley and the people were brilliant to be around so that was a an incredible experience um, 
Yeah, probably those, you know, somewhere that I know and somewhere that was new to me. Southwest Coast Path and a run in Kenya. I love the, the point you make about uh, mountains uh, being on the coast. Yeah. Uh, Kenya clearly would, would hit home for so many reasons. Uh, and I can really empathize with a lot of that because in my own running, I have found that it's the places running can take me and the experiences I can have that I enjoy more than the running itself. Yeah. Put me yeah. on a treadmill, I don't have very much to give. Um, but for a lot of people, you know, if you live in a place, work in a place, your kids are at school in a place, you know, maybe that place is not near the south coast, southwest coast path. I, I find being back in central London now for a long stretch, well, it's fine for a number of things. It's pretty rubbish for running. Um, but I can find enjoyable runs, but I have to work harder at it than if I were somewhere with trails on the doorstep or mountains. Um, mm. What would be your recommendations for trying to keep running you know, enjoyable and fresh when maybe you don't have the ability to travel around a huge amount? Is it just a question of turning left out the door instead of right one day, or can we find well, things mixing it up. So, now? so, yeah, mixing it up definitely helps. So changing the route, changing where you go, you know, just exploring. Because even if you live in central London, you know, there's a ton of exploring to be done. You know, it, 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 it's a fascinating place to run if you explore. Um, so people tend to just slip into their sort of comfy running routes because they're easy and convenient and all the things they know. Whereas dipping a little bit outside of that can reinvent some of the running a little bit. Also, just kind of mashing up the training completely. So just veer off in a completely different direction. You know, think about, okay, I'm not going to do that. I've done it that way for years and years and years. I'm going to park that and I'm going to radically change the way I do my running training. Aiming for shorter, less. Um, so bringing in some real variation to your running. But I think the third thing and probably the biggest is you know, company is something great. I, do, I actually do a lot of running on my own, but I love running with other people. So if I arrange to meet someone, um, I love it because it gets me out and it gets me going and I just run at their pace. The thing I do a lot more now that I never used to, I learned this with cycling, is when I used to go for a bike ride with a big group, we'd always stop and have a coffee. Like we'd do a, We would actually do a, a coffee run, go out on our bikes, we'd chat the whole way, we'd stop, we'd have a coffee and we'd ride home again. But that was not, I never did that in running. No, but now right. I do that in running all the time. All the time. I'll meet a mate, we'll go for a run, we'll stop, at, we'll stop, we'll have a little coffee together, we'll stop mid-run, and we'll run back again, you know? And, and so making the run a real social experience uh, matters too, yeah. That's a brilliant idea, because you're right, the, the coffee stop is integral to the Sunday ride, yeah, has no place. Yeah, but really we don't do it. In the... We don't do it in running, and we sh we should do. Yeah, I mean, do you find any uh, issues with getting started again? I mean, cycling has a little less impact, no. it, so it's an easier roll out the door. Yeah, no, it's easy actually. It's really easy to run um, to, to get going, even if you walk for a first bit. You know, you can walk for a little bit um, and then get going. The thing is, again, it's always about framing that run isn't it and thinking well this runs about that for me I'm going for a coffee with my mate we're just going to do it on a run rather than I've got to cover six miles in an hour I haven't got any of that I'd rather cover four miles and have a coffee and keep enjoying it yeah absolutely 
so now we've got, uh, as we can see through the uh, the grainy grainy imagery for anyone who's watching this on the vlog. Um, it's dark. It's getting dark now. It is depressing. Well, it's quarter to six. Um, it's pitch black outside. Uh, you have clearly, as we know, a strong running background, but also uh, there was duathlon time, there was the Ironman triathlon time. So indoors, simple question, quick fire round, tre no. treadmill or turbo? Neither. <laughs> Doesn't said, matter said how with bad passion. it is. Well, I've done both. I've done both for a long period of time. You know, turbo, turboed in garages, you know, like in pools of sweat for hours. No, I'd rather go out. Don't care what it's doing. I'd rather go out. Decent head torch, high-vis bit of kit. Don't care if it's chucking down, chucking it down. I'll get out. And what about your, your so that's it, the head torch, high-vis bit of kit, very useful as well. Um, any other, let's just say, inclement weather going with the quote i forget who it's from there's no such thing as bad weather only incorrect yeah, equipment yeah. what are you keeping as your staples uh in your kind of autumn winter all year round run right range that makes me sound posh doesn't it in my in my range yeah in, in mate, honestly it's it's simple pair of trainers pair of socks pair of shorts t-shirt long sleeve jacket done hat I very rarely run in anything else. So if it's cold, I'll wear gloves. If it's really raining, I'll wear a cap. That's it. Simple. It it isn't. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. If it's really cold, I'll put another layer on. Mostly what I, the, my best piece of kit is a jacket that I can, it's lightweight enough to run in. It's not, you know, a massive flappy coat, but, you know, I can take it off. If, if I get hot, because usually I do, you know, I can just roll it up, tie it around my waist, off I go. Done. Do you ever go for the you backpack can't muck You can't muck around with these things, Warren. You, you can't. You've, you know, if it's a little bit of rain or a bit, bit of darkness and you think, ah, oh, well, it's only that, get out, sit inside procrastinating about it. It'll be your window to do it will be gone. It will vanish. Yeah, and I, mean, I have to say that the turbo with a little bit of interactivity makes that a lot more viable. Again, particularly, I'm going to use it as an excuse again. Being in central London, it's not what I want to do. Go and spend an hour cycling around Regent's Park in the dark, or alternatively, get on the turbo. That seems to be a bit better. But the running, you're right. I, the idea of having a treadmill at home just seems ridiculous. Or going to a gym to run on a treadmill when I could yeah, be running Yeah, I've, I've never had a treadmill at home, so... Um, never had a treadmill at home, but I do have, I have had lots of turbo trainer things at home. And presumably as well at a time, uh, when they were not interactive and they were just miserable. No, just, you just have to sit there in your own head. <laughs> in your own sweat, maybe, maybe with a sort of tape yeah. player going, but ho hopefully with auto reverse. So it would go long enough. Yeah. But you used to, you know, just put a bit of music on and where you go, you know, there's, it's quite simple, you know, that I've actually realised I'm quite purist and a little bit old school with stuff. I like connecting with the simplicity of running, you know, and I, and I don't really like the unnecessary frills that, you, that you, you don't need. If you want to go for a run, put the basic kit on and get out and go running. Yeah, and that, that is where Speaking it scores. There's very little required uh, in the way of equipment or in the way of you can do it anywhere you go. It travels easily, but then we have slight issues. One thing I've noticed doing more cycling the last few years is 
Cycling clearly takes a lesser toll on the body, but all the time yeah. I would have previously spent in rehab stroke, prehab stroke, foam roller, uh, would have been used instead for uh, getting the bike sorted out. You've snapped an Achilles tendon. Any particular tips yeah. for keeping, uh, keeping the body going long term? So one thing I've become got better at and have now got a little bit worse at is looking after, I want to be stronger at 50 than I was at 40. That doesn't mean I want to be a better runner. I want to be stronger at 50 than I was at 40. So that's actually getting close now, <laughs> a couple of years. And so I'm, I'm, I, I spent a few months earlier this year in the gym, um, working quite a lot on strength, strength, and I felt much better. I, I need to now revisit that, um, and then you know I'm 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 good. Um, that's my focus. Is the best thing to ensure kind of continuity now is to not get injured, and to not get injured, I need to supplement my running with strength work. Um, and you know today I ran, I walked for a bit, probably 15 minutes in the middle of my run today, and then I I, I ran back. So that's, that's a, a longevity tip going in the advancing years. Let's turn the clock yeah. back quick, quickly, quickly, go to uh, younger years, kids, because that's what ties into uh, Stormbreak, the charity that you've started, yeah. to improve yeah. uh, mental health and movement for kids. Do you want to just give us a, a quick rundown on that? Because with your background and passion for everything you've done, this looks like another big project with an awful lot of love behind it. Well, definitely that. Um, Stormbreak is a charity. I founded it about 18 months ago. Um, we're working in some schools in Dorset and Hampshire at the moment. We are working to try and help um, staff at the school understand what mentally healthy movement looks like and then to be able to deliver it in their schools every day. And it's got a specific focus on mental health in primary years and primary education. Um, so it's tough to be really honest you know starting a charity is difficult I've never done it before I, I don't know lots of things it's a massive challenge it's really time and labor intensive there's a lot of people that are you know helping for nothing um, I've got minimal budgets um, it's quite stressful and difficult and uncertain and unstable all of those things, you know, um, there is, there's no training plan for how to do it. So I'm kind of guessing as I'm going, but I'm hoping that, you know, what the work that I'm putting in will, will be worth it for not so much for me, but for other people as we, you know, we, we try and shift cultures in schools for movement to be right at the forefront of promoting mental health. So that's what we're trying to do. Well, look, it looked like such a, it's such a simple premise. Um, you made the point on the, I think I saw on the website, mental health problems in children are rising, movement in children is yeah. falling. Um, there are two fairly simple things. You try and reverse that tide by bringing a background into schools. I mean, it sounds like a brilliant project. And again, running is a simple thing that gives us so much. Yeah, and it's loads more than, you know, it's not, it's not a running thing. It's quite broad. Mm. We've just launched an all-party parliamentary group report into mental health and movement. There's you know, we've got a partnership with Bournemouth University doing some research. We've got some Stormbreak coaches working in schools. We've got some teachers already doing some stuff. You know, we've got a fantastic board of, of trustees, but we lack 
operational budgets and time and a few skill sets. So it's much needed. Um, so I may as well give it a go, eh? No, I mean, it, absolutely. It sounds and looks wonderful. So if anybody is looking to get involved, donate money, oh, yeah, give me a ring. Uh, become a trustee, <laughs> do anything, give Marcia a call, drop him a line. Uh, we'll put all of your details in the show notes, Martin, but best place is Storm, Stormbreakers, stormbreak.co.uk? .org.uk. Right, stormbreak.org.uk. That'll be down there. Yelling performance, do we want that in there as well? Your coaching? Uh, Marathon Talk is, you know, the podcast that I've been doing for a decade with my buddy Tom Williams. In fact, I've got to record that uh, in uh, 15 minutes ago, so I better, <laughs> better crack on and do it. There you go. Look, we we got so much in there that in, in that whole time we forgot to mention 512 episodes in of Marathon Talk as well, just yeah, on the side. I know. Martin, thanks so mm. much for making the time. Enjoy episode 500 and whatever number it is you're about to put together now. And um, thanks, very, Warren. very good catching up with you this afternoon. You too, bud. Take it easy. You too. So there you have it, folks. Please give a great big hand to Martin Yelling. Uh, If you didn't fancy going running beforehand, I bet you bloody well fancy going now. I know I certainly do. But before you go, don't forget to check out the show notes because you might want to catch up with Martin on his podcast at Marathon Talk. You might want to check out some of his coaching wisdom at Yelling Performance. Or you might want to dive deeper into the world of his charity to help children's mental health and well-being Stormbreak. All the links are in the show notes below, as are the links to our store at 33fuel.com, where if you happen to be peckish, if you happen to need to stock up for your next race, if you just happen to want to make your sports nutrition a little bit or even quite a lot better, well, that would be the place to go. We've got everything you could possibly need. Check it out at 33fuel.com. Thanks very much for joining me on this show and uh, look forward to seeing you at the next one.